Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting cornerstonetulsa.org. There you can read all about our journey through the year of the Bible. We gather every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock, and we'd love for you to join us. If we can help you in any way, you can reach us at hello at cornerstonetulsa.org. With that, let's hop into today's teaching. The teaching text for today comes from 2 Kings chapter 6. Now the king of Syria was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. Elisha, the man of God, sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Syrians are going down there. The enraged, that, this enraged the king of Syria. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, said one of his officers, but Elisha, the prophet, who is, in is, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray that you would give us, your church, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to obey your word. We pray that we would not fear what lies ahead or the challenges we face, but that we would see beyond and catch a glimpse of your plan. In all circumstances, may we be the prophetic voice of hope to our generation. Would you help us, Holy Spirit, not to be caught up by our own politics, but to be shaped by kingdom values of hospitality and love for the nations, trusting in your divine plan for us, your people. These are the things that we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you. You can be seated. Uh, if you're not familiar, we're, we're reading through the Bible all year long as a church, calling it the year of the Bible. And uh, this week in your reading, or if you're behind three or four weeks from now in your reading, uh, you'll come across this story that Sandy has just read for us uh, from 2 Kings. And uh, we start seeing this new rival of the nation of Israel in the book of 2 Kings. Sometimes it's called Aram. You'll see the name Retzin, R-E-Z-I-N, one of the, the leaders of Aram. This is the, the modern-day nation of Syria. Uh, and there's a great story in, in 2 Kings about a Syrian general named Naaman. Naaman is covered head to toe with leprosy, and he's sick. And uh, someone tells him, uh, there's a prophet in, in Israel named Elisha who can heal you. And so this Syrian general goes uh, to the people, or goes to Elisha, and Elisha says, dip seven times in the Jordan River and you'll be cured. And he heals him. And remarkably, Jesus picks up this little story in the Gospels saying there were tons of sick people in Israel at the time of Naaman, but only Naaman, the Syrian, the foreigner, was healed. And Jesus takes the story as a way of foreshadowing God, that God would be including all nations in his plan. It wasn't just Israel. He wanted to bless everybody, all nations. 
And in this text that Sandy has just read for us, we meet uh, Aram, Syria, this nation, and they have devised strategic plans against Israel. And so they go to the Israelite camp and they surround it. And um, it's kind of like in, the, in the, the Return of the King, if you've read the book or the movie by Tolkien, how there's this little island of, of Israelites or good guys, and then all around them you've got the Syrians. And the helper to Elisha the prophet is looking at these nation, the nation that's surrounding them, confident they're about to be wiped out. And through his natural eyes, he's freaking out. He sees war. He sees bloodshed. He sees violence. He's certain of all of their doom. But Elisha the prophet, seeing what's going on through the lens of the kingdom of God, has a different perspective. This is 2 Kings 6.16. Elisha the prophet answered his servant, Don't be afraid, because those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And his helper's like, are you delusional? Do you see what's going on? Do you see those horses, the chariots, the spears? Do you see this violent army that has come against us? And Elisha prays. This is verse 17. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. The Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. There have already been horses and chariots, but now seeing through the lens of the Spirit and the lens of the kingdom of God, he sees the presence of the armies of God. Uh, God's divine forces are at work. There's clearly, to the naked eye, seen uh, 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 violence and war on the brink, certain doom, but seeing through the eyes of the kingdom of God, we see the forces of the kingdom at work. And so he prayed, Lord, open, open his eyes so that he can see. As Nina shared, today's Palm Sunday. It kicks off this huge week for us. It's kind of a countdown leading to the cross. A Maundy Thursday, Jesus sharing the Last Supper, uh, washing the disciples' feet. Good Friday, where Jesus ascends the cross. He's deserted by his friends. He's betrayed by Judas. His mom and, and the other women are there weeping at his feet, and it looks like certain defeat. On Saturday, this is a day Protestants don't talk about a ton. We have Holy Saturday, where the disciples are lost in their despondency and, and they're, they're brokenhearted because the person that they've given their lives to following is dead. So what are we going to do now? And there Jesus is lying cold in a tomb. But then that leads us to Easter Sunday. We'll talk about the resurrection of Jesus next week. But Palm Sunday is this day of kingship. It's this day where Jesus rides into the city down the Mount of Olives, riding a colt, fulfilling this messianic imagery. And the people are lauding him as king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And as Jesus rides and the people are cheering, does he have a smile on his face? He's weeping. He's weeping as he goes into the city because they're all cheering him on as the king and the savior of their nation, hoping that, that he'll come and sit on David's throne and throw off the former or the, the Roman occupiers, defeat the oppressive enemy just like they'd wanted God to defeat the Greeks and the Persians and the Babylonians and the Assyrians and everybody before that. Jesus is weeping because they misunderstand his ministry. He has not come to be the savior of one nation, but to be the king and the savior of all nations. And when Jesus ascends after his resurrection, the ascension, by the way, is not a moment of Jesus taking an elevator ride up to heaven. Ascension is about power. 
So if you hear about someone like she's, she's climbing through the corporate ladder or she's rising up the ranks or he got the corner office, it's power language. Ascension is all about Jesus taking the position of power over heaven and earth. And at Jesus' ascension, he links this idea of his reign with Israel's call and what Jesus fulfilled to bless all the nations. This comes from Matthew 28. It's called the Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And in the middle of that work of going and discipling and teaching, I'm going to be with you always. And the church has always held on to these ideas of the reign of God with the, the command of God to bless and make disciples of all nations. <clears throat> and this morning we're going to have a conversation that brings these two themes together. This theme of, of God's heart for the Syrian, open my eyes to see what you're doing this theme of, of the reign of God. Uh, you, you've, if you've paid attention to the news in recent years, you've seen uh, the devastation uh, as a result of the war in Syria. Some folks have called the results of the war in Syria uh, the greatest humanitarian crisis of our lifetime. Uh, maybe you remember the image of that little boy who washed up on the shores of the North Mediterranean uh, because his family had been fleeing the violence in Syria. Um, what happened in Syria was, uh, it continues to, to wage on this, this horrific, bloody battle, and we're going to share a little bit about it. But my hope this morning is that just like Elisha prayed for his servant, that God would open up our eyes to see beyond what the naked eye can see, that there is violence, there's war, there's deep political complexity, and yet in the middle of that situation, the forces of God are at work. And it just fulfills what we're trying to do, who we're trying to be as a church. Our mission statement is we want to be a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. And is there any place, Syria is one of those places in the world most deeply in need of renewal. And so we want to draw our attention there. Uh, before, I'm going to invite up our team in just a minute. Uh, I want to give a, a little bit of background. Uh, Syria is just to the north and the east of Israel, east of the Mediterranean, if you can picture that. And uh, Syria has been in this, uh, this civil war for a handful of years as a result of the whole Arab Spring that began in 2010 and 2011. It started as a popular uprising among some of these uh, countries in North Africa, Tunisia, uh, Libya, Muammar Gaddafi was ultimately ousted as a result of this. Hosni Mubarak was ousted. There was the whole scene in Tahrir Square in Egypt. But it also uh, went to Syria. And this uprising based on, uh, on income inequality and a variety of factors, and, and it has led to an all-out war. Unlike Libya and some of these other countries, Bashar al-Assad, who was the president when things started, has remained in power. And there's, there's war within country. Millions of people, uh, we'll share this in a minute, have been displaced. But also add on top of that the influx of ISIS fighters, a deeply uh, complex and broken uh, situation. Um, another thing that's true is, is Syria falls within what missiologists call the 1040 window. This is the latitude and longitude 1040. Um, do we have that, Susan? In North Africa and in the Middle East and then going as far as, as parts of Russia and China and India, we have this window that is largely unevangelized where there's a limited Christian witness. 
uh, in the Muslim-majority countries in North Africa, in the Middle East. Uh, obviously, they're, they're Muslim, Sunni, and Shia. Uh, as we go farther east, we have Buddhist and we have Hindu countries and lots of atheists. Missiologists have said this is a place that is ripe for the gospel, where we need to be concentrating our energy and, and sending missionaries. Uh, and what's fascinating is that this uprising has happened in a place that's majority Muslim. I remember I was sitting in my office at Asbury in January of 2016, and I was watching this New York Times video from Aleppo, Syria, where a family was running down the street, a family not unlike mine, parents with little kids, and left and right of the family, there's shelling going on. And I remember thinking, my kids are so little, what if those were my children? What would I be thinking about? What would, what would my world look like? What would, I, what would my prayer life look like if those were my kids? And God gripped my heart, and I almost ran to the prayer room at Asbury and just heaved in prayer uh, for the people of Syria and for this war. Uniquely among all the Arab Spring countries, this one gripped my heart. A couple of months later, later God had just divinely orchestrated this opportunity where Emily and I went to a dinner with Richard Stearns, who at the time was the president of World Vision, the largest Christian humanitarian organization in the world, 45,000 global employees. And Rich and some of his senior staff were sharing with us about what has gone on, the humanitarian crisis in Syria, but also the amazing things that are happening in the Syrian church. But they also shared how the American church has been silent on the crisis. They said that we can raise money for natural disasters left and right. They said the, the biggest thing that Syria needs is an earthquake because people will give to earthquakes, they'll give to tsunamis, but a, a man-made crisis like this, the American church was silent. And Emily and I were gripped, and, and there were a handful of us who were just gripped over this and praying, what can we do? And so over the next year, uh, I, I like leaned on my network of pastors, and a handful of us went on a trip, a group of pastors, to Lebanon to meet with Syrian refugees and to go into these uh, these uh, informal uh, tent settlements. And so got to sit uh, on the floor of a tent with this family. Unique to this family, the husband survived. Usually it's women and children. This woman, when they fled the war in Syria, was pregnant and she miscarried as a result of just the trauma of, of traveling. Their little daughter had uh, hepatitis C. Uh, we got to meet a bunch of sweet kids uh, and families and hear their stories. And and also, just because it's kids, we're, we ended up seeing a bunch of kids just playing soccer in the street, and it's always fun to take pictures. So uh, it personalized the crisis. And uh, we raised some money. We did a refugee weekend, but God has kept this on our hearts. And as we've launched Cornerstone, we're in the process of discerning together how God is leading us to respond to the issues of the world. We're not here to just make ourselves feel good or focus on our own development. Part of our own wellness is recognizing that the world is bigger than us. And God has called us into the places of the world's deepest need and vulnerability. So we're praying, God, where do you want us to, to put our energy, to send our attention, send our resources with regard uh, to global issues? And it seems like God has been elevating this theme of lost cause countries, places where things are so bad, uh, it, it doesn't look like it could possibly turn around. It would take a miracle for things to turn around. And the numerous folks in the church kept bringing up Syria. A family from our church spent last summer in Turin, Italy, and volunteering with Syrian refugees. And we thought, man, God, maybe you're doing something here. We met some people who gave us the opportunity. They said, for $7,000, you can sponsor a Syrian pastor to have a full-time salary. And so as a church, we're sponsoring, we're paying the salary for two Syrian pastors this year. 
And God opened up another door and he said uh, there, there was an opportunity to send some people from our church to go scout out what God's doing in Syria, meet with Syrian pastors who are traveling across the border at great risk to their own lives, to meet with 10 or 15 Americans and just tell the story of what God is doing. And so in February, we sent a team of, of three people from Cornerstone. Many of you contributed to pay for their trip. And uh, I'm going to invite them to come now. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. For the protection of the church in Syria, we're omitting the second half of this conversation where we interview the team from Cornerstone who visited with Syrian pastors. If you'd like to learn more about the organization we're partnering with to serve the church in Syria, you can go to ananiashouse.org. Again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.